Hello, I'm Andy Chadwick, and this is SEO in 2023 Additional Insights. Andy, what is your additional insight for SEO in 2023? It is, with all the chat of AI and um, automatically generated content, definitely use it to speed up what you're doing and optimize what you're writing, but don't rely on it. Uh, there's certain softwares out there, not naming any names, but that basically claim to, and they do automate the whole writing process for you. They'll basically write the whole paragraph, write the whole blog or piece that you'd like, if you'd like. Uh, and my tip is not to rely on that. There are tools out there that can that aren't developed by things like Google that can pick up on the likelihood of something being AI generated. And if they're being made by hobbyists uh, and not someone with the resources of Google and they're picking up AI generated content, uh, you can only imagine what, what, what Google and, and Bing and these other ones are able to do. Sort of in line with that is Google's new announcement with a quality rater guidelines, the new E in there, which stands for experience. I think the jury's out for working out how it's going to even work out what experience means or how that looks but certainly if you have first party experience in talking about a topic it's going to come through a lot more than uh you know ai generated content again so you know being able to overlay your actual original thoughts and put that original spin on things will will definitely come through and i, I can see it myself when when you look at a piece on even something as inane as how to tie a shoelace you can you can read through what is generally spat out and something that's been written by someone with more experience. I don't know if there is someone with more experience of tying a shoelace, but that was an example. So uh, it's, it's, it's funny, um, a topic like that tends to probably lend itself to a video as the answer possibly as well. But that, 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 that's another uh, topic, I guess, in, in, uh, in its entirety. So when it comes to using AI then, it feels like we're on the precipice of... Um, AI being good enough to be able to, to, to write significant volume of content and get away with it. But uh, as you say, it's easy for search engines to detect if something has been written by AI. So, so what's best practice then? How do you actually leverage the power of AI without actually being tripped up by search engines and perhaps even not ranked at all? So let's assume you're outlining... Well, there's the first case for it, out helping to outline an article. Uh, obviously, without plugging anything, we have we own Keyword Insights, which helps outline blog articles. And you can use it to really quickly pull all decent headings together. Uh, and you can use AI to help maybe come up with some ideas you haven't thought about. And then you can use AI to maybe... So let's say one of the headings is... Uh, what is a mortgage rate? Let's say you're, you're talking about uh, writing an article on, on uh, mortgages, everything you need to know. And one of the headings is, what is a mortgage? Now, if I was to write that, you know, freeballing myself, it might take me, I don't know, five or six minutes to put that together. You could use AI to write, because it's, it's a pretty standard question. You could use AI to generate a piece of text that answers that quicker, because that's a pretty standard question with a standard answer. I would then perhaps uh, go over it and rewrite it to put my human element on it. Uh, but then there, there are questions that will be in that in that piece, like uh, how to find a, a, a good mortgage. That question 
I would say tends should lean more on personal experience. Uh, someone who's actually gone through looking through a mortgage, and you could generate that piece with AI. Uh, but I imagine it would say the same thing uh, because it's obviously based on learnt data. It would say the same thing for every time you because a lot of these tools you can refresh it and it will rewrite it. And it'll say the same thing in about five different ways. I definitely generate it to see what it's saying, but I would put my own personal experience into that as well. What, what have I found looking for mortgage rates? Is there any additional insights that I found that isn't on the, all the standard articles out there? And that's really how you're going to stand out. Uh, and when I said at the beginning of this, don't use AI to generate content or don't rely on it, I don't mean necessarily that you'll get penalized for it. Uh, I don't think you will, which is what a lot of people are saying. Oh, you'll you know you'll you'll get done for it, Google. Or, you know, penalize your website. I don't think you'll necessarily get penalized for it. I just don't think if someone else isn't using AI, your content will do better okay. is, is what I mean by that. So yeah, basically don't, it'd be a waste of your time, albeit short time, generating a load of AI paragraphs and then publishing it because it won't do as well as if someone then puts that human element on, on it. Not going to be penalized, it's just going to do better if someone else. Is it, is it good practice then to combine them both and then you know, per- perhaps take advantage from the elements that the AI comes up with that you haven't actually thought of beforehand. Um, and then perhaps you interviewing someone on a particular topic just to hone that personal experience from them and then you incorporate both elements on the same page. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. So I think, uh, and I've seen it and there's tests going on and there's quite a few people I follow on Twitter doing tests where they're generating the literally the whole thing using AI. I'm saying let it get you 50% there and then go over it with a, you know, a human element. There's the obvious things like some of the stuff it's generating isn't factually accurate, uh, which goes without saying. And that's obvious. If people aren't rewording that, then I, I don't know what you're doing in, in this industry. Like that would be for the first thing you change. What I'm saying is even the things that are factually accurate and they make sense and they read like a human, if there's a capacity to bring a bit of your own experience to it, that E and that new EEAT, then... I think definitely do that and definitely play around with the wording of it just to make it not seem like everyone else is using. Because the problem with everyone using these AI tools, everyone's going to start coming up with the same things. Um, I know it can rewrite it in a million different ways, but they all pretty much read the same. uh, And that's going to become very obvious. So that's using AI to augment long tail keyword phrase based blog posts. Is there any type of content on a website, though, that you absolutely would not use AI for? Yeah, definitely anything to do with medical stuff. Like, it changes all the time. And again, I don't want to keep bringing it back to EAT and all this, but, you know, just medical things in general, you really do need an expert and someone who knows what they're talking about. And again, I've seen it, particularly with CBD, because CBD websites are popping up everywhere. Uh, and all the content across all the websites is exactly the same. And we're fortunate enough to be actually working with a CBD site that isn't the same. These these guys, I'm not going to name the name, but these guys have come up with a different type of CBD. They're actually making it themselves and they've developed it in such a way that it can actually, your blood absorbs things four times better. So we originally started to butt heads because part of what we're doing with them in our engagement is writing their content and we were open with them and say we can get you we'll get you 60 70 percent of there but then you'll need your you know in-house experts to go over this and you know tweak it and there's been a lot of interesting things we found so i can't remember what the exact thing was oh that's it 
most CBD, in fact, every CBD, apart from this website, tells you to take it under your tongue. Uh, apparently, it's better for infusing into your bloodstream and all this stuff. This website has actually gone, no, that's there's no scientific, because uh, the company is actually ran by two scientists and you know they've got a load of investment from VC backing because their product is genuinely different. And they've come away and said, no, we've written this whole article on them on how to increase CBD absorption. And a big section of it was, you know, put it under your tongue. It's where the blood vessels are, blah, blah, blah. And they said, there's actually no scientific evidence in that at all. Uh, actually, this is how we would increase. And they've, they've put their own spin on it. And it's already ranking in position very well, one or two. And they've got basically no authority in the US. The site's brand new purely because uh, they, they've actually put that slant and experience on it. It's gone against the grain, uh, if you like, but they have backed it up. Uh, they've linked to papers and things. Uh, so there was a really quick, it wasn't an experiment, or I didn't know it was an experiment at the time, but it was a really quick example for us to see how actually there is, I don't know how it's working or what it's doing, but there's a quick example showing that, okay, there is this element of, okay, maybe Google is looking at experience somehow. So anything medically related that where it just churns out the same thing, because we did generate that using AI, and then I did what I told you, we went over it with a human and everyone said that you know put it under your tongue that's the best way to do it every version of an ai tool produced that same paragraph that's a great piece of advice there because i mean many seos say things like if you want to rank for something look at the serp um, see what the serp is spitting out and follow the structure of already successful pages. But I think maybe um, some SEOs take that advice and think, okay, I need to produce very similar type of content. Um, but you can actually combine both pieces of advice there and actually follow the structure of successful pages, but add your own original views to give you that um, increased opportunity to rank well. Yeah, exactly that. And the other thing is you can... Um what we always try, what we tell our content writers and our content brief uh, briefers, as we call them, is like, look, look at yeah, look at the SERPs, get all the best headings from all the top ten. Because what you find in position one isn't always covering the same topics in position two, and in position two isn't saying the same things as position three. Some of them have, they have maybe eighty percent of the same headings, but they've got like a you know, if you have a Venn diagram, they've got headings where they sit outside of each other. And then way in position four or five, then you've got this website that has no authority at all, but ranking really well. And it's because they've got other headings they haven't thought about. So what we do is try and combine the best bits of all the headings, like a, like a pick and mix type thing. Uh, and then we would look for uh, either an alternative. So what we then do is go to things like Reddit and Quora. And the idea being, if people are turning to forums to ask questions, it's because they haven't found a suitable answer often. Uh, in an article online and we'll scrape them for any additional questions that may not have been answered in the other 10 or 20 in the top 10 we'll include them uh, and then if it's something like I said like medically related we will ask someone who uh, maybe has a differing opinion to offer a more balanced idea about it and include that as well but yeah don't just follow the same headings in position one and kind of moving on from headings to titles and meta descriptions, if an SEO is in charge of a big website, millions of pages, is it good practice to use AI to generate titles and meta descriptions or are they going to be shooting themselves in the foot? I, I've got to be honest, I use them for meta descriptions purely because I hate writing them and, you know, they, they don't really, well, they don't have any bearing on rankings according to Google themselves. But uh, I do often 
tweak it. So I use it to generate the main part of the description because I just want to summarize my article quickly and get it done. Page titles, I nearly always do myself because, again, I, I do like to stand out. So I, I like to look at the, the top 10. Uh, an AI would generate one that looks like the top 10 or the top 20. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. I do want to stand out from them. So I'll, always I'll do the standard stuff. I always include a keyword, use title case, all that stuff. But I'll always try and put a different slant on it just to make it stand out a little bit. Uh, so that's personally how I would use them. Again, I don't think you're going to get penalized for it. I just think if you're not doing something to stand out, especially in a world where everyone's going to start using AI, if you're not doing something to stand out, you won't be penalized. You just you just won't have the edge for people who will are doing something to stand out. So you've shared what SEO should be doing in 2023. Now let's talk about what SEO shouldn't be doing. So what's something that's seductive in terms of time, but ultimately counterproductive? What's something that SEO shouldn't be doing in 2023? Uh, they shouldn't. I'm going to throw a double negative, which I don't know if answers your question, but they shouldn't still neglect things like link building, which is, I guess, a double negative for you. The reason being like, it's going, oh yeah, we've, we're still about, we're getting better. Google's saying we're getting better at evaluating, you know, expertise and experience. We're getting better at understanding things. Our AI is becoming amazing and uh, you don't need links anymore. I hugely disagree with that. Still at the moment, we've been running tests ourselves. Links work. Good links work. Still the same applies. Don't go after rubbish links. Don't you know buy them off dodgy websites. But a good link building strategy wouldn't have any of that anyway. But the main thing to take away is links are still working. So I, does, I hope that answers your question, David. It's like a double negative. Don't be ignoring your link building still because of all this fancy AI stuff. It, it is. It is. I had to think uh, think twice about that. Yeah. You said good links still work. What is a good link in 2023? We've got guidelines that all of our staff follow when they're evaluating links because we we have link building strategies and we we get links and we we, we make them stick by quite rigid guidelines and what we will and won't accept and what we will and won't disavow and that kind of thing. So for me, uh, I haven't got time to get it up here, but I'll, I'll run you through some top things. DR... DA, whatever you want to call it, doesn't really matter. We have clients who sometimes go, we want links uh, and they've got to be a minimum DR of whatever. And it just doesn't matter. For me, a link off of a page that is, well, I look at two things. I look at the domain, first of all. And if the domain has got a steady, a steady traffic curve, and a third-party tool is fine. If you look at Ahrefs or SEMrush or anything like that, um, a steady traffic curve is fine. It, it doesn't even matter if it's going down slightly or up slightly. A steady is good. If it's going rapidly up, like it's jumped from one to 100,000 in two weeks, then there's something dodgy about that site and I wouldn't want to link from there. Conversely, if it's gone from 100,000 to one in a few weeks, then there's also this site's been penalized. It's doing something wrong. So I still wouldn't want to link from there. DADR, irrespective. If it's going up or it's going down slightly, I don't care. So first of all, that's what I look at in a domain level. Then I look at a page level and I'm looking at, first of all, is the page, is it related? And actually is the domain related to whatever industry I am linking to? I don't like, you know, newspaper. I don't want, you know, the Dudley government, Birmingham government, they, they don't do anything. If we can start to get a link from a page in a niche, which is aligned, that is a million times better than one that isn't. Uh, we've again done tests where, uh, we've seen it. It's an interesting case study where a site 
um, I, I don't, I can't remember the site. Let's call it a, a traffic cone website. Bought a sort of similar, but not quite other website. It acquired one to do with, I don't know, bags or something, but the bags were for builders. So sort of related traffic, yeah. And the idea being they were gonna fold the two websites together and you know link them all up and redirect and get all the link equity because this other bag website had a lot of good links. What ended up happening was the pages which aligned with the, the bags with whatever pages of the traffic guns did see a big jump, but the pages that they just didn't have, so say for example, the homepage, which had a load of links pointing at it, they redirected that to the homepage of the traffic cone to get all the link equity pushed there. We actually saw the homepage drop for all its rankings. Uh, and we believe, because the minute we lifted that redirect, it went back up again. We believe it's because the links just weren't relevant. So the pages where they were relevant went up, but the pages where they weren't relevant actually went down. So just a link for link's sake isn't good enough. The link needs to be contextually relevant. Uh, otherwise, you actually may see the reverse of what you want. Even if they're good links uh, from good websites, you might be just confusing the intent a lot. So that's really important. And then the other thing we look for is... Uh, so we, we do things like when we're getting a link, we look at the other blogs uh, or whatever is in that in that website. We put the images of the writers through, you know, TinEye. If we see that their TinEye is an image reverse lookup software, if anyone doesn't know. If we see that that image is a stock image, we won't have a link from them because we know that they're just producing stock content with stock writers, which aren't real or genuine. Uh, we want, you know, links from real sites. Uh, we make sure that the anchor text is contextually relevant. I've seen it loads when we've audited links. We've seen someone talking about houses in general, and then they've just rammed in the word wallpaper really randomly just to get that anchor link in there, and it doesn't work. So we look at all these things. So to summarize your point, David, sorry, I went off on a, a diatribe there. Uh, it's going to be from a contextually relevant website. DR or DA doesn't really matter, but it's going to have steady traffic in one way or the other up or down or even flat, doesn't matter. Not suddenly up, not suddenly down. And the uh, anchor text has got to be, you know, quite natural. It doesn't it doesn't just ram in there. Uh, and that the actual rest of the quality of the content on that website is also good. It's not from stock image writers. It's not from guest blog posts. It's um, from genuine people. That was um, one of the most valuable additional questions that I've asked actually on this podcast series. Um, sometimes I just select that little nugget from someone's answer, um, i.e. good link. And, and that, that was a great summary of that. I loved um, your mention of the fact that um, you looked for consistent site traffic. I think, I think that's, that's a metric that I haven't considered looking at before to establish whether or not a, a, a site is valuable to get a link for from. And I think, I think that's a wonderful starting place. So um, yeah, yeah no, thanks no. for sharing that. Majestic's obviously a great place to start working that out as well. So we've we've been using Majestic to to find those things out. But yeah, it's uh, we've got a we've got a checklist if anyone's ever interested. But I can share that another time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, feel free to um, share it in the in the socials that uh, promote this particular episode. That that that'd be wonderful. And perhaps we can incorporate that in the in the blog post that goes uh, alongside it as well. Andy Shadwick is co-founder and SEO strategy lead at Snippet Digital, and you can find him over at snippet.digital. Andy, thanks so much for adding your additional insight to SEO in 2023. Thanks, David. I've been your host, David Bain, and you've been listening to SEO in 2023 Additional Insights, a majestic series that complements the original SEO in 2023 podcast, video series, and book. 
Find out more over at seo in2023.com.